I don't know about you guys, but I went out and got my spoons and been... Thank you very much. Thank you. Now they just let me be part of the band. <laughs> Anyways, I tried to find some smaller spoons, but uh, I couldn't. And those things were really didn't. I can play a lot better than that. Um, and but I didn't. Th- I didn't think I should pr- come up here and show off. And, um, probably caused some of you guys to cry a little bit. A little bit in worship. I mean, not like hurt your ears. Well, if you're a Christian here this morning, if you've placed your faith in Christ, uh, God says that you are part of Christ's body, you're part of His church. And we've been looking at what Scripture says about what it means to be a a part of His church. Um, We haven't got into a whole lot of detail, we've kind of stuck within what we call our uh, four D's for our church, the four things that we challenge people to consider, uh, those who don't know the Lord and those who do. First of all, we, we challenge people to discover truth, the truth, the truth that we find in God's Word. So as a church, that's what we're all about. We want to give people truth. We want people to be able to then understand what that is, to discover it. You know, there's a lot of people in this world that don't understand and don't realize there's another way of doing life. There's a better way of doing life. One, because people don't go to church anymore, and some of those churches that are around may not be teaching God's Word properly. And Then sadly, there's also some of those who know people who say they're Christians, and then, but those Christians that they know aren't really doing life God's way. They're kind of doing it like everybody else does and has the same drama and concern and fears and frustrations that everybody else has. But we want people to know the truth. And then, then we challenge people to, to decide on Jesus. Because the truth is, that there is a God, and God created this world, and God created, this, created us in His image in the sense that He, he created us to, to be people who are relational, and, and first and foremost, to have a relationship with Him. And so God, and we'll talk more about this, God, through Christ, has made it possible for us to have a relationship with Him. And then once He's in our life, then life begins to move in a direction that He wants it to go, which is the best life possible for us. So we, we challenge people to decide on Jesus. Then, and we talked about this last week, we challenge those who have placed their faith in Christ to demonstrate the change that comes from a life filled with Christ. And so there's a different way of doing life. There's a different way of responding to life. There's a different way of thinking, a different way of responding, a different purpose. And so we, we say, hey, This is what the Bible says. This is what God says. He's giving you God the Holy Spirit in your life and He's going to help you change, become more like Christ. And last week we talked specifically about one of those uh, changes that we demonstrate is that as the body of Christ, as the church, that we get together on Sundays to worship God, to serve each other, to to encourage each other, and then we do life together during the week. And we talked about some of the things that we're going to try to do for 2021 uh, that help us do that. But there's a, a demonstrated change that in spite of what the world may think, in spite of what other people who don't understand who Jesus is might think about us even coming together during a time like this, we do it because God says, hey, the church body is to be together, is to encourage each other, and to help each other. 
And then, as Christians, we deploy for others. Thus the arrow. Do you feel that? Do you sense the going? Doesn't it? So to deploy for others, to serve others, to serve in our church family, to serve those outside of our church family, and to share with them the gospel of Jesus Christ, the message of God's forgiveness through faith in Christ. So go ahead and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 17. It's page 1158 if you're using the Bible there. And like I said, I encourage you to grab a Bible, open it up, make sure that what I'm saying is what the Bible's saying. It's, uh, it's kind of an important step. I think it's good for us to... Uh, I read the Bible off my phone, but a lot of times I just want to grab you know, something tangible right, and, and read it. So do that. As you do, let me just ask you a, a question or two, and that's this. What is your purpose in life? I, I, I think I ask this question quite a bit, but I've, I'm always interested. If I were to sit down with you and, and we had some coffee... Uh, of course, you're paying. Um, and, oh, well, you know, coffee's getting expensive nowadays. That's all I'm saying. Wow. Uh, I'll just drink some hot water. Thank you very much. Um, but if I were to ask you, hey, what's your purpose? Why, why do you exist? Why, why do you get up in the morning? Why are you still here? <laughs> what, would you, what would you say to that? The cool thing about being a Christian is that um, we don't have to wonder what our purpose is. All we do is we get into this, the Bible, God's Word, and we read it, and we study it, and we have conversations with Him about, okay, what, do you, I'm, what am I reading here, Lord? How am I gonna? How does this apply to my life? And if I were to do these things, how would my life look different? That's that weird word, meditation. That's what that means. You're just asking questions of God as you're reading the Bible. So if we want to know His purpose, uh, it's pretty easy. It's right there. It's it's in black and white or red and white. If you have the words of Jesus in red. It might be difficult, it might be a struggle on our part to do it, to want to do it, but we'll at least know what it is, right? Because we're not perfect, we're not, none of us, at least looking at here, those of you I know, you're not perfect, I'm not perfect, so we might struggle with that. But what we're going to look at this morning is that as, as Christians, we're new people and we have a new purpose for living. So let me kind of share with you what's going on here uh, leading up to 2 Corinthians 5.17. All of 2 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians is the same way. So this is Paul's second letter. Some believe it's his third letter to the Christians that are living in the city of Corinth. And if you think about the city of Corinth, think Las Vegas or think New York. All right, so it's kind of a focal point. There's a lot of stuff going on in, in Corinth, a lot of good stuff, a lot of bad stuff going on in Corinth. And there's this group of Christians that, by the way, are not doing life perfectly. So that's why Paul's, one of the reasons Paul's writing. But he's also writing to defend himself. Because back in the day, they didn't have TV. They didn't have video. They, they just had people who would come into town and they would make a name for themselves about how, what, they, what they were espousing, the, the teaching that they were giving. And so back then, just like we are today, the people who are the best looking and could say things the most eloquently those were the ones that people really went to. Those who could, um, it didn't matter what they were saying, if they could move people emotionally, boy, people just grabbed onto that. And it's, it's like today. I mean, it's just, it's like I was thinking as I was um, reading through this, and Paul was not like that. 
If you know anything about Paul, he was a complete opposite. He was not the Joel Olstein of the first century, okay? He wasn't this have hair quaffed just perfectly and shiny white teeth and had a nice way of just saying that Jesus loves you and wants the best word the world for you. Paul was not that at all. Paul says, I am not a good-looking man. Paul himself said, I don't speak eloquently. Paul said, I don't, I don't speak to impress man. I don't speak to make people necessarily feel good. What I speak is, is logical truth about who Jesus is and the impact he has on your life. You may or may not like it, but I'm going to share it. And what was happening is, Paul's going around and, and starting churches and talking to people and helping churches grow. And then people would come in behind him and attack him. They would attack him personally. They don't want to listen to him. He, he's, he's not even eloquent. He can't even speak right. Funny how God uses people who can't speak right. But anyways, he would thank the Lord because <laughs> he gets to use me. I don't necessarily speak right. I'm from Chicago. I can't speak right. So it's just amazing to see how they would just come in and they would rip him as a person, rip him, uh, his motivation behind ministry. He wasn't eloquent and all that kind of stuff. In 2 Corinthians 5, he's getting to the point where he's saying, listen, as Christians, um, and by the way, if you're here this morning, you're not a believer, this is good for you to hear because if you're checking out what Christianity is all about, this is good for you to hear. Find out what Christianity is all about, right? So Paul's saying, listen, I, I get it. You know, when we die, we get to go to heaven. That's awesome. And, and really, we would all love to be able to go to heaven. Who wants to be in this miserable world that we're in? We'd love to go to heaven, but we're not there yet. And until we're there, we've got a job to do. And our job is to please Christ, to be obedient to what he says. One, because even though we get heaven, he's also going to reward us with other rewards for being obedient to him. And so we should have this motivation that we want to do life the way Christ wants us to do life. That there's, a, there's a reward thing going on there, over and above heaven, which is awesome. And, and he says, in, uh, as he goes through this, like in verse 14, he says that, uh, I'm going to grab it here. Did I grab it on the screen? Yeah, there it is. He says, for the love of Christ controls us. Therefore all died. All those who have placed their faith in Christ have died. They no longer live for themselves. They live for him. So if you're here this morning, you've placed your faith in Christ. And maybe you've, you did this and you weren't realizing this. But when, when you placed your faith in Christ, when you gave your life to Christ, you died to yourself. To how you think. To uh, how you think you should do life. How you respond to people. How you respond to circumstances. What you think about yourself. That's all changed. Because you've died to that. And now, you're going to start thinking the way Jesus thinks. And you're going to respond the way Jesus wants you to respond. And you're not going to respond in fear like you used to. You're going to respond in certainty because you know that Jesus has got your back. With how he's given you, or what he's given you to do, and the power he's going to give you to do it. Then he says in verse 16, that um, we no longer look at people as physical beings. Now, it's kind of an interesting verse Kind of hard to understand in the version that we use. Um, you like New Living Translation, it kind of breaks it down a little bit better. But basically what he's saying is this. When Jesus was here, he was obviously in the flesh, right? God, 100% God, 100% man, in the flesh, living this earth. He died, and he went back to heaven, right? 
And while he was here in the flesh, he, was, he saw people not as physical beings in that sense. He didn't judge people based on their physical, like the false teachers were saying about Paul. They weren't focusing on the physical. He focused on the spiritual, what their spiritual condition was, and, and dealt with them at that level. So now, as we who are dead to ourselves but alive to Christ, our responsibility is to not look at people as physical beings in a sense of judging them for how they look or how they live. Anything along the physical, we, we, we deal with them on the basis of being a, a spiritual person. And so some who have not placed their faith in Christ yet are, are spiritually dead, as, as Scripture tells us. They're separated from God. And so we, we respond to them based on the fact that they need Christ and we're the representative. If they are a believer, we respond to them as a brother or sister in Christ and we encourage them and help them. But we don't deal with people on the physical level. We deal with people on the spiritual level. Now this has massive implications in our lives. Because God's saying that everything in our lives has changed. Everything. I won't ask you to say that loud, but think of one area in your life changed. <laughs> Whatever area you come up with, it's changed because you've placed your faith in Christ. Again, how we thought about things, how we used to respond to people, to circumstances, how we thought about ourselves. It's all changed. It's been radically changed because now we're thinking and responding the way Jesus wants us to respond. This uh, radical change is also controversial. Paul says in verse 13 that people may think well, we're out of our minds. Because what kind of person or people chooses to meet together during a virus? And if you're paying attention to any of the news, you see that people are asking that question. Well, what kind of people would do that? Well, according to the Bible, starting in the first century when the church first started, those Christians met together on Sunday and during the week, continually devoted themselves to doing that. In spite of the viruses that they faced, in spite of the beatings that they received, in spite of the arrests that were happening and the deaths that were taking place because they were simply wanting to worship Jesus Christ, they continued to meet. Why? Because they knew that their entire life has changed. And people need to see that there's a different way of doing life. And it tells us, as we looked at it last week, it said that Jesus added to their numbers day by day. They were committed to meet together, to be together, to, to live life the way Christ said to live it. And God, Christ, built that church so that we could be the church today. We owe it to them, we owe it to Christ, that we continue doing what they did so that there will be a church in the future. And so we talked about that one controversial thing. 
Well, in verses 17 to 21, that we're going to look at this morning, Paul, as he always does, he brings it back to another very controversial thing. In fact, this is probably a little bit more controversial than even for Christians, than even just meeting together on Sunday mornings and doing life together during the week. And it's this idea that as new people, we have a new purpose. The new purpose is to share the gospel. To share Christ. And again, it's controversial because those who don't know Christ don't quite get it. And hopefully they will. But even some Christians don't get it. Especially those that are kind of focused in on this physical world. And not so much on the spiritual, eternal aspects. So let me go ahead and and read through these uh, verses. You guys follow along, listen to my melodious tones. It says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature, a new creation. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Namely, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were making an appeal through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ. That's, that's the appeal. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He, God, made him, Christ, Jesus Christ, who knew no sin, to be sin on our behalf, so that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. So we are the church. And as the church, we are new people. And we have a new purpose. To challenge others, to encourage others, to beg others to be made right with God. Sprinkled throughout these verses, Paul describes for us what it means to be new people and what it means to have this new purpose. And so looking at the new people part, in verse 17 he says that those who are in Christ are new creatures or a new creation. The old things pass away, new things have come. So we're going to break this down, work through this, because uh, I want you guys to kind of really see what God ha- wants us to know. First of all, in Christ, if you could just kind of picture yourself in something, like you guys are all in your clothes, and so am I. So when I see you, I see you in your clothes, and you see me in my clothes, and we're thanking the Lord for that, right? And we're, we don't want to, that would be awkward. Some people, I, I don't know, maybe you heard this in speech class, but I remember the speech class, I heard this at my, in Bible school when I was doing the pastoral training stuff. They said, hey, if you get nervous, just, just think of people, you know, not in their clothes. What? Why would you do that? That's, anyways. But... That's a negative to what the very positive is here. So we are in Christ. It's like wearing clothes. It's being made by God is is wearing Christ's righteousness. Now, I'm going to talk more about that in a little bit, so I'm not going to go further with that. We are new creatures or new creation. The Greek word actually means fabrication. So God has refabricated us, recreated us when we place our faith in Christ. We are a new person, a new purpose. Old things passed away. Again, I I say this a lot, but it's it's our old thinking about uh, others, about ourselves, about situations. It's the old way of responding to those things. It's the old way of doing life. 
And those things are, are gone. They're, they're dead. They don't have to have power over you. But the new stuff has come. The new way of thinking, the new way of responding, uh, the new understanding of who you are and who others are and how to do life the best. That's come. That's a, a possibility for you now. Again, we're not perfect. We, we struggle with that. And those that are new believers, I've had a lot of conversations with them and, and they're frustrated because they, they want to get to, you know, as one person said, I want to be like you, Harold. <laughs> you know, not necessarily. Um, but it, the idea was I want to know how to respond without having to think about it so much. Let me just say, especially if you're a new believer, man, just be patient. Stick to what you know you need to do, and that is be in God's Word. Be in prayer. Be a part of your church family. Learn what God's Word has to say about what this new life looks like. Then Paul goes on to say in verses 18 and 19 that all these things are from God. It's a gift from God. So everything we have is, is God, from God. And he says he's reconciled us to himself through Christ. Reconciled means to make things right. It's to heal a broken relationship. Our relationship with God is broken. It's broken not because of who God is. God's perfect and holy and right. It's broken because of who we are. We're sinners. We've screwed up. We've disobeyed God. We've broken his laws. However you want to say it, we've severed that relationship through how we've lived our lives. And the things that we've done and said and Responses that we've had. And so, He's going to make it right. He has to make it right. He's the only one who can make that right. He's the one who has to forgive us and has done that if we ask for that and place our faith in Christ. He said He's, he's made us... You go on to the next slide. It says... Point three here, it's happened. How does this happen? Well, he says it three different ways. It kind of builds on, on top of each other. And it's this. It's, it happens, first of all, through Christ. who reconciled us to himself through Christ. So it happened when, when Christ did something. That Jesus Christ, 100% God, 100% man, he did something. And so that, that being made right with God happens through him. Well, well, what was it? Well, he goes on to say, not counting their trespasses or their sin against them. So whatever it was that Jesus did, it caused God to not inventory our sin and hold us. He somehow or another did something that allowed God to, to not hold it, hold those sins against us. Then, what else? Well, he goes on and says, he made him, Jesus, who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf. So, when Jesus died on the cross, it's as if God, and He did, and He took our sin and He laid it on Jesus. Now, if that's shocking to you, it should be shocking to you because nobody would do that for anybody else, but God did it for us. He took our sin and He placed it on God the Son, Jesus Christ. So that when He died, we have the potential for our sin to die with Him. And then when we realize and believe that, we put our full weight of trust and say, okay, I believe what God says about us. Here's the really shocking thing. He took Christ's righteousness and He put it on us. Whoa! That's the whole in Christ thing. 
So when God sees us, we're clothed in Christ's righteousness. Shocking, and it should take us a long time to really grasp what that means. I'm not saying we're perfect. We get that when we get to heaven. But the, the, um, what needed to take place for God to remove our sin, to forgive our sin, was done through Christ. And so now he gives us Christ's righteousness so that when we die, physically, we get to go and be with him. Not based on anything we've done, but based on what Jesus has done because God has given us his righteousness. But notice what Paul does, and Paul does this all the time. He tells us what the gift is that we've been given, and then he tells us what the responsibility is with that gift. He tells us that we're new people, and now he's going to tell us that we have a new purpose. It's connected. If you have one, you have to have the other, is maybe another way of putting it. So he goes on, so our new purpose is to help others be right with God. He talks about this ministry of reconciliation. He says, uh, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of that connects those two. You can't have one and not do the other. You can't, if you say you have the one, you have to be working towards the other, is another way of putting it. And you may say, well, I'm kind of scared. Fine, so am I. I, I talk to people about, about the Lord a lot, but I'm telling you, I'm sitting there praying the entire time. Because that is, that's a potential, that person might turn on you and not want to be around you anymore. That's kind of a scary thing. But that, he didn't say when they're receptive to it. Hopefully they'll be receptive. But anyways, so the ministry of reconciliation, this is kind of cool. The word ministry there is didache uh, in the Greek, and it means deacon or, or servant. And so we've been given the ministry, the service of bringing this message that God wants to make this person right with him. And we, we serve them by bringing that message to them. Bringing it to their table. Plating it just right. And we do it through how we live our lives, and we also do it through the word of reconciliation. So when I'm reading this, I'm like, why would he use two different words for this reconciliation thing? It says ministry of reconciliation or word of reconciliation. Why not both? I think what Paul's trying to impress upon us is this. People find it very easy to say, well, I'm just, doing, I'm just living out my faith in front of people. And that's great. You need to do that. That's the ministry of reconciliation. You want to put it that way. That's you living it out. But then there comes a point in time where we have to be ready to word the reconciliation. The Greek word here for word means word. I can't get around it. It's, it's words. It's verbal. It's knowing how to express what the gospel message is. And I say this a lot. I say this a lot about saying this a lot too. But I've talked to Christians who said, well, I don't know what to say. That worries me. Because if you've placed your faith in... Now, here's, now I'm backing into being kind of like Paul. I'm just kind of coming from a logical standpoint here, logical thinking. If you've placed your faith in Christ and you knew what you did, then wouldn't you just tell that person what you did? Right? It's not complicated. It really is not complicated. So I think we sometimes we get this, well, I'm going to live it out, um, and it's more of an excuse than to say, I, want to, I'm, I don't know what to say. So we live it out, and we have to say it. We have to speak it. 
He goes on to say that we are ambassadors. Well, we all know what an ambassador is, right? So the United States has an ambassador to Germany. Germany has an ambassador to the United States. It's somebody who represents somebody else. Governmental type of thing. Paul tells us that as Christians, we're, we're uh, citizens of heaven. And so we're, we're like ambassadors of God, of Christ, to this world who doesn't know him. You know, I say all the time, you need to represent Christ well, right? You hear me say that. You need to represent Christ right well, because well, we're, we're ambassadors. That's what we do. We represent Christ. That's what our entire life is. Not just part of it. All of it, from the moment we get up to the moment we go to bed, we're representing Christ, we're ambassadors to a world that needs Him. And then, then he says this, which is another shocking thing. He says, and it's as if He's appealing through us. Think about how serious that business is. See, God was in Christ, because Jesus is God, reconciling the world to Himself, but Jesus is gone. He's in heaven. Well, how does He do it today? He does it through His body, those of us who are in Christ. So where God was reconciling the world, making an appeal through Jesus, now we're the ones through whom he's making the appeal. I don't know about you, but that, that puts a, a heavy weight of responsibility on me that God is saying, I want to speak through you, Harold. I want to share the gospel to those in your life who need Christ through you. And for me to say no? For me to come up with an excuse to not? I think you guys know the Bible well enough to know what that's called. God's making an appeal through us. And then he says, we beg you. The word beg there means to bind. And not that we're actually going to do this, but the passion behind it, the, the um, intentional uh, prayer life that we have for those who need Christ, the, the desire when we're with people who need Christ, it's as if we're grabbing them by the shirt collar and saying, be reconciled to God. Let God save you. It's passionate. It's intense. We beg you, be reconciled to God. We've been given the ministry of reconciliation. We've been given the word of reconciliation. God wants to appeal through us to beg people. Take the gift that we've been given. Receive that gift. Paul goes on in chapter 6, you can read it for yourself, but at verse 2, I think it is, he actually takes some Old Testament scripture and brings it forward and says, it's, you know, God's basically saying, listen, I did this for you. Won't you do that for them? I didn't do it for you because you were so, somehow some special person. I did it because you were a sinner who needed my forgiveness. Your friend, your family member, your co-worker, your neighbor, they need him. They need his forgiveness as well. Before we hit a couple takeaways, what I want to do is, is maybe make this a little bit more personal. And I'd like for us, and if you feel comfortable, feel free to read it out loud. We're going to read through these verses out loud. But I've changed the pronoun so that you and I are saying it. So feel free to follow along with me out loud if you like. But it says, therefore... If I am in Christ, I am a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now all these things are from God, who reconciled me 
to Himself through Christ and gave me the ministry of reconciliation. Namely, that God was in Christ reconciling me to Himself, not counting my trespasses against me, and He has committed to me the word of reconciliation. Therefore, I am an ambassador for Christ. As though God were making an appeal through me, I beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on my behalf, so that I might become the righteousness of God in him. I did that, as I said, one, because I think we need to personalize these. It's important for us to personalize these verses. This is God talking to you and me as individuals and then together as a church. Another reason why I did it is I hope you're reading Scripture this way. I know some people struggle with reading the Bible and how do you read it? I do this all the time. I'll read a passage and read a passage. I read it you know, multiple times and as I'm prepping for a message, I'll read a passage 20 times, just one after another after another. But then I start to personalize it and where there's pronouns, I put myself in there. Because that pulls out what the, what the message is for me first. And in spite of what uh, I told somebody this morning, you know, I said, do as I say, not as I do. Uh, I was joking. You know, so, um, no, I really was. I was joking. So I, I, what does it mean for me? And that's how we, you guys should read Scripture as well. The other reason is, you heard how I read it. I try to read the Bible uh, in a way that pulls out the, the passion of the person writing. And so I don't read it just real monotone. I, I read it to, to pull out what is the author really wanting me to get from this. And I break it. There's, there's reasons there's commas and colons. I know in texting we don't do all that, but there's reasons there's a comma, comma and a colon and a period. And, and so we need to work on that. So just a little, that's a tip uh, that I'm not charging you for. So just, just giving that to you. Well, as always, we like to do a couple takeaways um, from what we've heard. And so, first one this morning, the first takeaway is this. Are you right with God? And if not, would you like to be right with Him? After hearing what you've heard this morning, if you're here this morning, and you've never placed your faith in Christ. And, and if you haven't, you know you haven't. And, and if God's working in your heart, you know you need to make this decision because God is the one who's drawing you. God is the one who's making this clear to you because God is the one who will make you right with Him. And so it's, it's as simple as they say, the ABCs. Because it is really that simple. And if you're a Christian here this morning, you need to nail down these ABCs because you have the ministry of the word of reconciliation. And this is the easiest way I've ever come up with, I stole from somebody else, of making this it's okay to steal a ministry. It's okay. So A, admit you're a sinner. If you're here this morning, you're like, yeah, I've messed up. Yeah, we all have. You're in a crowd of mess-ups. Welcome. Good to have you. Hello, my name is Harold and I'm a mess-up. You know? um, so great to have you. Welcome. Uh, there's a difference though that I've been forgiven because I've placed my faith in Christ and maybe you haven't yet. And so... You're a sinner. And because of that, you're not right with God. You just admit that. Then believe, it means to put your full weight of trust on something. And so, believe what we just read. That through Christ, He didn't count your sins against you. And that He's going to remove your sin and give you 
Christ's righteousness. You just put your full weight. You may not understand all of it right now. That's okay. We're all learning what that means in all areas of our life. It's okay if you don't fully understand it right now. You just make that choice. I'm going to believe that. I'm going to trust that. I'm going to believe what God says. And then you confess it. What is that? That's just have a conversation with God. We call it prayer. You know, we give it a cool name. But it's really having a conversation with God. It's having a talk. Say, hey, God, I know that I'm a sinner. I know I'm separated from you. But now I, I, I not only know, but I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. And I ask you to forgive me of my sins, and I'm trusting in Christ, in Christ alone for my salvation. That's the conversation. So here's what I'd like to do this morning. Um, let's go ahead and close your eyes. and, and um, There's nobody looking around. If you're here this morning, and you're like, yeah, I need to make that. I, need, I don't quite understand it all, but I'm going to put my faith on it, and I'm going to move forward on this. Here's what I want to do. is I just want to, I want to pray. I'm going to have that conversation again, and I want you to repeat it. Your heart to God's heart. Okay? You don't say it out loud. Just your heart to God's heart. Just say something along these lines. God, I know I'm a sinner, and I'm separated from you. I'm not right with you. But I now know and I believe I put my full weight of trust on what you said that Jesus took my sin on the cross. Died my eternal death for me. And I believe you've given me his righteousness. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. In Jesus' name. Amen. Just keep your eyes closed. If you've prayed that prayer this morning, you just slip your hand up real quick and then put it back down. Throw it up there real quick. Thanks. See that? Anybody else? Thanks. I see that. Excellent. Anybody else? You prayed, accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. All right. Great. Thanks. See that? Let me just pray real quick. Heavenly Father, thank you for those who raised their hand this morning. Thank you for choosing to make them right with you. Father, I pray that you would confirm that decision in their heart as, as you place, if you've placed God the Holy Spirit into their life, Lord, that, that he would do his work of confirming that. Thank you, Lord, for these decisions. In Christ's name, amen. As the band comes up, i got one more Takeaway, that's uh, not leaving you Christians out. <laughs> but here's the, here's the question for you and for me. That is, if you're right with God, are you, are you representing Christ? I hope in the way you're living your life you are, but I hope also in your words that you use in sharing the gospel. There's some, if some of you are thinking, okay, here, I get it, I, I need to do it, I want to do this, you know, then let me just give you a couple like really easy steps that you can do. Then things to kind of get the ball rolling, because then God usually takes over. The first one is out at the information center, um, there's these little uh, pray for your neighbor cards, all right, or sheet of paper. And so basically, you just you put your neighbor's names in there and you begin to pray for them and ask the Lord to give you opportunity to get to know them, to maybe. I do something for them and share Christ with them. You say, well, I don't know my neighbor. <laughs> you will. You will. Because you'll be like, well, I need to go over to that person's house and I need to bring them maybe some cookies. 
um, or something. If you're not a good baker, buy some. But anyways, do something. Give it to and say, hey, I just want to meet you. I haven't met you, after, you know, after 25 years. I still don't know you. Um, I'm Harold. You're Sue. You know, okay. Don't tell them you're necessarily doing this. You know, you don't have to do that. The other thing is we've got our Christmas coming up. Everybody has to go to church at Christmas, right? Everybody goes to church at Christmas. Even this year. So we've got these invite cards. Have somebody, invite somebody. Maybe even say, hey, come to church with me on Christmas Eve or Christmas Eve Eve, uh, Sunday before, and then uh, come over to the house for, for lunch or come over to the house for dessert. And, and invite them and get to know them. Find out who, they're, uh, who they are. Um, the other thing is, talk about your church experience. Talk about your church family. You know, as you're talking with your neighbors, talking with coworkers, whatever, things come up, you say, yeah, man, we, you know, I was at church this past, it was so much fun. You know, we did this, that, and the other thing. The pastor is kind of funny looking, and it was just a good time. And, man, you know, you should come with me sometime. Or if so, they're going through something, you know, listen, I heard something when I was at church. The Bible talks about that, and here's what it says. Just throw it out there. And then the other thing is, nail down those ABCs. Because at some point, God's going to give you the opportunity to lead somebody to the Lord. Listen, I love having an opportunity to lead your friends and family to the Lord this morning. I love that. Three people raised their hand. Love that. Awesome. I, man, I just thank the Lord for that, that I got to do that. I much would rather have you guys do it. You would much rather you do it. There's nothing like it. People's lives transformed for an eternity because they placed their faith in Christ this morning. And you can have that opportunity with your friends and your family, your coworkers, your neighbors. If you just got a chance to make the appeal through you.